The theme Bible verse for camp is what we're going to use actually as our focus today because it actually fits in well within our series that we're working through right now. And the, the Bible verse is from 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 and verse 5. And the kids at camp, in order to earn their camp t-shirt, had to memorize the verse that's on the screen. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 5, it says, So that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So if you see a kid walking around today with a shirt that says heroes on it, they at least memorize that verse for long enough to say it to a leader so they can earn a t-shirt. That is what we're going to be talking about today in that it's easy to spend a lot of focus, a lot of time on the wisdom, as it says there, the wisdom of men. But we will never find true success. We will never grow in our relationship with God until we rest in the power of God. On the front of your bulletin, I hope that you received a bulletin. If not, just outside the doors there, there are some bulletins. Inside the bulletin are announcements, but also notes for today's message. And on the front of the, of the bulletin, it has three words, connect, grow, and serve. And those are our purposes for our church. We want to connect with God as we connect with others. We want to grow in our relationship with God as we grow in our relationship with others. Ultimately, we want to serve God by serving others that connect, grow, and serve. And today we're going to be talking about growing with God. And I believe, and I really firmly believe, that it rests hand in hand with relying upon and trusting and saying a very powerful word, yes, to God. We can say yes to God, and when we say yes to God, we rely upon the fact that He will provide. We rest upon the fact that He will guide us, He will protect us, He will comfort us when we need to be comforted. He will make you brave. There's a statement says this, the reward for saying yes is greater than the regret of saying no. As we begin this morning, I, my hope is, and just to be transparent, I want to teach you to say yes to God. Because I believe that every success, everything moving forward in my own personal life has not come as a result of saying, God, you're wrong. No, I'm going to do things my own way. Everything that I have found to be profitable, eternally profitable, successful, to have peace, to have true comfort, to really have joy in my life has come as a result of not saying no to God, but saying yes to God. And that from there, we begin to grow with God and grow in our relationship with him. As we begin this message this morning, I'm going to invite you to say yes today. Let's take a moment and let's pray. And as I pray, and I'm going to dedicate this time to the Lord, dedicate this message to the Lord, I want you to say, God, will you show me how, in what areas of my life that I need to say yes to you so that I can grow and be the person that you want me to be? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for another opportunity to open up your, your holy word, the Bible, and to find truth in your word. Lord, we know that you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that we will be open to say yes when you want us to say yes, to say no when you want us to say no. 
But Lord, I pray that we will ultimately rest in your power, in your strength, so that we can be the people you created us to be. And in Jesus' name, amen. The reward for saying yes is greater than the regret of saying no. In your life, even though it's only the 14th day of the year, and so far this year has been absolutely beautiful weather-wise. I say that because we're supposed to get rain tonight. And we've had a tremendously beautiful year so far. And I hope as we develop last couple of weeks of connecting with God, and now we want to look towards growing with God, there is going to be opposition. And a lot of the opposition doesn't necessarily come from the outside. It comes from the inside. We tell ourselves, well, I know what God has asked me to do. I know what God has told me to do, but I don't know if it's going to happen this time. And we begin to have fear, and we allow fear to control us. If we look at the different characters of the Bible, a lot of the, the, none of the characters that I can think of were self-made men or women. They didn't just wake up one day and go, now I am super spiritual in my own strength, in my own power, and here I am. Not one of them. You look at different characters in the Bible, and you probably will not be asked to, to build a huge boat like Noah. You probably won't be asked to lead slavery Israel out of Egypt and crossing and parting a Red Sea. You probably won't face a physical giant named Goliath with a couple rocks and a little bit of leather and strapped around it as a sling. You probably won't be like the prophet Elijah calling down fire from heaven when you're the only prophet with 400 other prophets of false prophets around you. You probably won't face those things, but you will face God's calling in your life where you are today. And just as much fear that can face these other people in the Bible that did miraculous, incredible things for God, you can face that same fear. That's a scary place to be. I don't want to be described and defined by my fear. I want to turn that fear around and turn it into faith in the power of God so I can accomplish the things that God has called me to accomplish. And I don't know about you, but is that, I don't think any of us this year, I know it's only the 14th day, have given up in the year so far, have we? I don't think so. I think we want to look forward and go, this year I want it to be a great year. I doubt any of you got up on January 1st and said, yep, the year's gone already. <laughs> it's wasted. It's ruined. No, we want to look forward to the things of God. And this is something we find in Scripture is not unique to us. Our principle for today is this. Growing with God begins with saying yes to God. I'm going to say that statement several times today. Growing with God begins with saying yes to God. God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be? Where do you want me to go? How can I be the person, the man, the woman, the teenager, or the... Uh, my, my kids tell me that they're now preteens. The preteen that God created you to be. Today, I'm going to invite you to join me in saying yes to God. Say yes in three different areas. The first area is with God's wisdom. The second is with God's plan.
The third is with God's power. To say yes in those three areas. And we actually find them directly in Scripture. So that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Give your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians. If you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, the very beginning of the, of the book, this is a church that maybe we can relate to because it was a church that was not perfect. In fact, they had a lot of problems. They were very open with a lot of their problems too. There was problems with morality within the church. They were not perfect. In fact, they were far from perfect. They had problems with relationships within the church. There was fighting going on within the church, which I hope we can't relate to today. But there's, there's, there's infighting, and Paul is writing to this church in a real place called Corinth, which is in the southern part of Greece. And it was a coastal city, a shipping city, and it was a very immoral city also. And Paul had heard, he was uh, in another city, and he had heard that what was taking place in this church in Corinth, and he said, I'm going to write them a letter to encourage them, to challenge them, to go back to the source. To go back to what it is that God has actually asked them and called for them. And he's reminding them of some pretty simple truths. And the overall theme of this entire message and the overall theme of his teaching is the cross. Going back to the cross of Jesus Christ, and what has the cross of Jesus Christ done for us? What is the power of the cross? Give your Bibles open. If not, open up, or if not, you can follow along on the screen. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, we're going to start reading in verse number 10. And it says, I appeal to you, brothers. That word brothers is a, is a universal term of my, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ. By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, that, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you. My brothers, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. This is on the screen for you to follow. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 5, it says, So that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We'll go straight to point number one. We want to say yes to the wisdom of God, not to our own strength, our own power. And Paul was addressing this in this, this chapter, in fact, this entire book. There was disunity within the church. And he's calling them back to unity and saying to them, you can't say, I follow this person, I follow this person, I follow this person. Well, look at me, I just follow Jesus. And be united together. What he was saying was, you can't be everywhere and be together at once. In other words, another way of saying it is, you can't say yes to God and say no to him at the same time. You can't say, I'm going to follow this person, and I'm going to follow the things of God. You can't do it. You can either follow one and, or not the other, one way or the other. And we need to say yes to God's wisdom. Have you ever thought, that's not 
the way I would have done it. I mean, how many of you thought that three times already this, this, so far today? That's not the way I would have done it. As you drive down, you see someone's front yard, or you see their house, you see a building, you look at it and you think, why did they do it that way? What were they thinking? Or you look at the way some of the decisions that people have made, and you don't understand the backstory about it, you just see what the decisions that they make, you go, why would they ever have done that? When I was in Bible college in the U.S., um, at the end of the Christmas break, around this time of the year in the U.S., of course, it's freezing cold. You, you come back and all of the students go to their different homes and they come back at a certain time ready to start classes on the Monday morning early. Come 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night, I, I was one of the head people in the dormitory. I counted to make sure everyone was there, make sure everyone was safe, you know, back from the holidays and finding out how they were. And there's one guy that was missing. And he was missing all night long. I tried to call him. This is like when mobile phones were rare, and he didn't have a mobile phone. And so, you know, you, you can't, there's no way to get a hold of him. So I went to bed. Next morning, early in the morning, he's there in his room. I go, where were you, Brian? Brian Mosley. And Brian Mosley, 40 kilometers away from our college, broke down on the side of the road. And rather than asking for help, rather than calling for help, because he could have asked for help or called for help, he decided, I think I'll walk. And so he walked 40 kilometers. It took him a long, long, long time, pretty much all night long. And, but when we woke up in the morning, he was there. And his reply was when we asked him, why didn't you ask for help? Why don't you at least flag down someone to drive you along on the highway? And he goes, I thought it would be an adventure. <laughs> Many of us, we stop and go, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you do things a different way? With our wisdom versus God's wisdom, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 through 21, it says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. In other words, you are not smart enough to know God in and of yourself. God is going to have to reveal himself to you. His wisdom is going to have to reveal himself to you. The world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Now, what he's saying here, he's not calling us foolish for listening to preaching. What he's saying here is, it just seems like foolishness. We're here telling you about a loving God, a Savior, Jesus Christ. And in verse number 18 of that passage, it says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross to the outside world looks like defeat. You ever talk to somebody and they say, Jesus, he died as a good person. He died for his, a good cause. That's not what Jesus died for at all. He died and rose again as the Savior of the world. And we look at people on the outside looking in and they think it's foolish to follow a, a, a man who died on a cross. What you want to follow is 
a, a hero, a superhero. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the hero of the Bible. And he, we follow him through the wisdom of God. God's wisdom is revealed through the cross. It's the source of life. It's the source of real life. I believe that the wisest choice to make for every single person on earth is to say yes to the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God is Jesus. He's the one who's going to teach us. He's the one who's going to give us life. The very first thing to say yes to is the wisdom of God. We move on from that and we say not just yes to God, yes to your Savior, Jesus, yes to the cross. It is also yes to God's plan is the second point this morning. Yes to God's plan. People are pretty incredible. I like watching YouTube videos and there's a particular YouTube video, if you type in, people are awesome, and they do incredible things. And I look at that, because they you know, backflip off of cliffs, they dive, and they do these incredible flips and incredible feats of strength. And I look at that, and I tell myself, I can do none of that. So to make myself feel better, and maybe you do the same thing, I, I keep watching, and then I watch the fails. And then I watch people crash and smash, and it makes me feel better. Like, oh, good, I'm not the only one. But you look at people, and we are incredible. Look at the technology around us. You know, Eleven years ago this week, the iPhone first came out. Isn't it amazing? Eleven years ago, where would we be without the smartphone? Whether you're a Samsung person or an Android person or an Apple person, it's still incredible. The fact that we, if you have a question, you go and you click, 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 and in a few seconds you have the answer. And in fact, if it's not in 0.23 seconds, and if you don't have 5,000 different answers on the list, you go, what was so slow? What's wrong with this thing? It's incredible, the knowledge that we have in our fingertips. People are incredible. And we can walk around in life saying, aren't we as mankind something? We have incredible technology. We have incredible things that we have built. And we look at that, and then we, I ought to stop and think about it from God's perspective. Look at it from God's perspective, from a different perspective. The God, the creator of the universe, who the Bible says holds the world in his hands. He has everything within his grasp. Nothing is beyond and outside of his, is the realm of his control. And we think to ourselves, God, we are something. I have a plan. Let me tell you something. And here's God sustaining us. Every breath that you take is a gift from God and a, and a result of Him sustaining the world. God has a plan that we need to say yes to. But we have a problem. We often go back and we think about our own wisdom and how clever we are. Let's look at it, see what it says in verses number 22 through 25. It says, For the Jew demands signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. I'll explain that in just a moment. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. God in his weakest state is stronger than all of mankind. 
And it says there are two things. It says, Jews demand signs, Greeks seek wisdom. The Jewish people, if you look at Jesus in his, in his own life on earth, when he traveled and, and people demanded miracles of them, they're always asking, show us another miracle, show us another sign. Matthew chapter 16, verse 1 says, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came. These are the religious rulers, the people that knew the Old Testament, they knew the, the law of God. They said they came to test him and asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And the first half of Jesus' ministry on earth, first year and a half or so, he performed a great deal of miracles in order to prove and substantiate who he was, that he was the promised one. He was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And the second half of his ministry, he no longer did miracles and signs. It was because he said, I've already proven myself, and now let me tell you the message that I want to share with you. The message was the fact that he was the Savior of the world. I proved it, now let me show you how, how it is lived out. The Jewish people, they're always asking, show us a sign. We can do a similar thing. We can pray to God and say, God, will you please open up an opportunity for me? And then when the opportunity arises, we become fearful. and We say, well, God, just show me one more time. Prove it to me one more time that you, that you will take care of me, that you will provide for me. Show me just one more time. And God says, and whatever he has for you, he, he gives you some, some direction in your life, and you go, well, I believe you, God, but just prove me one more time. You find yourself much like the Jewish people, always asking for just one more sign. If you just prove to me one more time, then I'll believe you. Then he goes on and talks about the Greeks. The Greeks seek wisdom. They were the philosophical thinkers of the day. And they thought to themselves, if you just prove to me, give me one more bit of knowledge. This could be a real stumbling block in our society today. Where we think we have to have all the answers and understand absolutely everything perfectly before we take a step of faith. Before we, we actually believe God. And the Greeks, and he was describing the Greeks as a whole, they were saying, just to give me one more bit of information. Maybe God has prompted you to do something this year, and it's a stretch for you. And you're saying, well, let me just get all the facts. And you get more information, and God's still prompting your heart to do that particular thing. And you say to yourself, well, let me just find out one more piece of information. Let me just delay my obedience just a little bit longer until I have all the knowledge that I could possibly have. When God speaks, we have an opportunity to do something. Sometimes when God speaks and he prompts us to do something and we need to say yes very quickly to his plan because if we delay, that is ultimately disobedience and we miss the opportunity. There's a number of times when God has prompted my heart to speak to somebody and tell them about the love of Jesus and I've used this thing in my mind. Well, let me think. Let me get all the information and then I'll go talk to the person. And I have caught myself a number of times missing opportunities to be obedient to God because I delayed thinking that I needed more information. Let me encourage you. If God has prompted you to do something, He has given you enough signs. He has given you enough information to be obedient today. 
That doesn't mean that we don't continue to learn. That doesn't mean we continue to recognize the blessings of God. But what it means is if God has asked you to do something, you can say yes, because it's not me asking you, it's God asking. If you're asking me, I can't provide enough information. I can't provide enough signs and wonders, but God can. It's like when you're sitting on the side of a mountain abseiling. You ever been abseiling before? And it's pretty scary. You're sitting on the side of a mountain, and I've done it a few times, and I'll, I'll try to reenact it for you. You ready? You stand there on the side. I know that the rope has been tied. I know that the knot has been formed, but there's something that my body doesn't believe because in my mind, obviously I trust it because I'm hanging onto the rope. My hand is way back as a break, but my knees, I don't know if you can see my knees, they shake horribly at the time. And it's funny, as you begin leaning back, you continue to shake. And the most dangerous place to be is about halfway down and you freeze. Because you can't go up. The only way to go is down. You have to trust the rope. You have to trust the guide who's guiding you at the bottom. You have to trust the person who tied the knot. There's a great deal of trust involved, but the safest place to be if everything is in place is right there hanging onto the rope. I would much rather have the rope on the side of a mountain any day than be there without a rope, wouldn't you? God has, in a sense, given us an incredible rope, the cross of Jesus Christ. He's given us the resurrection. He's given us the Holy Spirit living inside of us. He's given us not just life for now, but life for eternity in heaven with Him. We have incredible protection around us. We just have to trust the rope. We just have to trust the plan of God. Moving on from there, we can, we can say yes to God's wisdom, yes to God's plan, also yes to God's power. All that we need in this life, or are the blessings, and all the blessings that we require are found in a person. That person is described in this passage as the power of God, that is Jesus Christ. You cannot say yes and no at the same time and grow in God. If God has asked you to do something, it's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to grow. Whatever God is prompting you to do, whether it's begin to reading, read your Bible, maybe it's prompting you to become more involved in local church, maybe a particular person has been brought to your mind and you think, I need to go tell them about Jesus. I need to befriend that person so I can tell them about the love of God that I have in my heart. I, maybe it's giving to church. Maybe it's going and maybe it's learning more about Him through our Bible Institute or becoming involved in a different ministry or whatever it is that God has asked you to do. You can't say yes and no and still move forward. Try it at work. Those of you who are going to work tomorrow, try when your boss tells you to do something or asks you to do something and you say yes on the outside, but then you don't do what he asked you to do at all. Your, your boss comes to you and she says, I want you to do this, and you go, absolutely I'll do that. And they come back eight hours later and you've done none of it. Maybe, you, maybe or maybe not you have a job on Tuesday. A similar thing <laughs> with, with your kids at camp. I told a number of them, you've been wearing that shirt for a couple of days now. 
you need to change that shirt. And it wasn't just one child. If your child is kind of embarrassed right now, it's not just one. I told several of your kids. In fact, I told several of them to go back as we were leaving and put a clean shirt on so I could present them to their parents clean. Either you have a clean shirt on or you don't. Either you've obeyed or you've not obeyed. Either you've done what you're supposed to do or you've not done what you're supposed to do. Either you're growing in your relationship with God or you're not growing in your relationship with God. And I believe saying yes to the power of God, Jesus Christ, opens us up to experiencing the growth that he, only He can offer. In this passage, He gives us three different points. I'm just going to walk through these very, very quickly. He says in verse number 30 and 31, But because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. We're going to walk through those three things. Righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. All that we need for this life and the blessings that we require for this life are found in a person, Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul encourages this church 2,000 years ago, the same thing that you and I are being encouraged of today in year 2018 is that what we need to experience the power of God we already have if you've said yes to Jesus Christ if you place Jesus Christ at, in your heart if you accept him as your savior the bible teaches that you have righteousness that's the first one you have the righteousness of God to be righteous is to be in right standing to be in the right position before God it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sakes He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. We can live in the power of God when we are in the right standing with God. Also, within Jesus, we can grow in the sanctification. Sanctification sounds like a really big, deep theological word. What it means is to be set apart. You've been set apart for God, for His service. He has a plan and a purpose for you in your life. To continue in growing your sanctification is to become more like Christ. Over the years, I don't want to be stagnant at year number 20 and stay level at that. I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to learn. I want to continue to grow to become the man that God created me to be. I see the same thing for my children. I don't want them to stagnate and stop growing at 10 years old physically. I want them to continue to grow. The same thing spiritually. We want to continue to grow. We also have that redemption. We have righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Redemption has the understanding of you've been bought, you've been purchased, and as a result, positionally, you are very different to where you were before. I am no longer the person that I would be without Christ. Because Jesus Christ is in my heart, because He has saved me from my sins, and I pray that He has saved you from your sins also, you are now in a different position. You are no longer that person that was apart from God. You've been redeemed. You've been purchased by God. And it says in Romans 3, verse 24, and are justified by His grace as a gift 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are set free by the redemption, by being purchased by Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul lived this out himself. When he came to the church, he came to this local church in Corinth, he taught them and he ministered to them, he helped them grow, and he lived out these three yeses. He lived out the wisdom of God. He lived out God's plan. He lived out God's power before them. Let me read chapter number 2. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. We're going to read the five verses. Verses 1 through 5. And as we go through them, you'll see God's wisdom. And this is him talking. And he's talking to people that he knows very well. He's talking very personally. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. I didn't come with my own strength and my own power, he says. I came to you with the power of God. You know, he's living this out. He's just told them, do these things, and then he's giving them a practical example. I came to you, I just gave you the simple truth. Here's what God says. Here's what the Bible teaches. Apostle Paul, in all his humility, tells us in other passages that he really was not that good-looking of a guy. In fact, he says, I was nothing to look at at all. I didn't come to you with great speech because I'm not a great orator. I didn't come to you with great charisma because I'm not that good-looking. And probably everyone went, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're not that good-looking. He says, I came to you simply with the wisdom of God. Going on from that, we see God's plan. In verse number two, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. I came to you and I was open. We were going to have to totally trust upon God. We were going to have to totally rely upon him together. He's saying we were together. We had to experience God's plan together. We had to experience the outside people coming to get us together. We also see God's power. Verses 4 and 5. But my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. In other words, I'm not using a lot of big words to impress you. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We are asked, in fact, we're really commanded to say yes to God. Say yes to God's wisdom. Say yes to God's plan. Say yes to God's power working in us and ultimately through us. Our principle for today, again, is growing with God begins with saying yes to God. This morning, I'm going to finish with three questions. And I hope at the end of this time, as you mull this over, I'm not going to try to tug on your heartstrings, much like the Apostle Paul. I'm not going to come to you with a bunch of great words. In fact, I purposely made a bunch of mistakes today to make it more, more applicable to Paul. What we want to see is, we want to see God working in your heart. This year, 
is going to be a fantastic year, not just for us, but for God and His power and His strength. What can we do together? Let's look at the first question. First question is, to what does God want you to say yes? I want you to mull that over in your mind. Does he want you to say yes to his wisdom, to his plan, to his power? Is there something that's prompting your heart? And even as I was studying this out, I I had to take some time and to think about what God was telling me and say, okay, God, this this isn't just for other people. This is for me too. What are you asking me to do? How do you want me to say yes to you so I can ultimately grow in my relationship with you? Maybe God wants you to be baptized this year. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You you just need to begin that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And today, that will give us no greater pleasure than to take some time, open up God's Word, the Bible, and show you out of the Bible how you can have a relationship with God, how you can say yes to God for the first time. Maybe it's in the realm of giving. Maybe it's in the realm of ministry. There's something that you need to do. Let me encourage you. One of the most powerful things that I did as a teenager was actually say out loud what I felt God wanted me to do. I literally spent years, like from ages 14 through 16, not telling anyone that God was working on my heart in, in the realm of, of church ministry. And as soon as I said it out loud, and I actually made myself accountable, I told my dad, it was amazing. First of all, a burden was lifted off my shoulders. The second one was the fact that we, I could begin to live that out and begin to act upon. A good way to do that is your cards, your connection cards. If you don't have one, there's some on the welcome table outside, a great place to put that, fill that out. You don't have to fill out all your, all your information, but fill it out. Make yourself accountable. Let us as pastors, Dwayne and myself as pastors, come alongside you and help you grow. To help you. When you said yes to something, we want to come alongside you and to help you. The next question down is, can you honestly say that you'll be better off saying no to God? And I've already given you an answer for myself for that one earlier. Can you honestly say, no God, I'm not going to do that and I'm going to be better off because of it. The third question is, in what way can you begin to grow today? In the front of your bulletin, I have a challenge for our church. The challenge is to begin reading your Bible. There's some different resources that you can download. If you would like a, a paper Bible, you know, like one of these good old-fashioned things called paper, I'd be happy to buy you one. I'll buy you a nice one, too. I'll buy you a cheap one. I'll buy you a nice Bible. i happily do that so you can get into God's Word. If there's something you want to get involved with in church, Next week and and following weeks, we're going to have a bunch of sign-up sheets for different church ministries. And we're going to be encouraging you to sign up for different opportunities. There's mentoring. There's there's children's ministries. And I am very grateful for our people that take take care of the children's ministry. There's music ministry. There's men's and ladies' Bible studies. There's life groups that meet throughout the week. Bible Institute to help you grow. There's Explore the Bible on Sunday mornings. It gives you more knowledge. There's a bunch of different things that we're going to sign up sheets for that we want you to be involved in. In what way can you begin to grow today?